If you are an expert in your niche, if you've been doing it for a minute, you know what the frequently asked questions are. You know what the pain points are for your audience. What you may not know is how do they search for it? What are the words that they use and the combination of words that they use in order to search for it? So before you do a video, you need to first figure out what it is that your audience is suffering from. Hi and welcome to Video Talks, the podcast where we talk to creators, commissioners and everyone in between about the business of video. We've got a a growing library of interviews. Um, We're now on episode 17. Brilliant interviews. Uh, Some are two-parters because they are just so full of uh, gold, golden nuggets of advice, etc. That it just didn't feel right to kind of cut those right down. So um, this one is another two-parter, um, so bear with me and I'll explain more. Uh, meanwhile, if you're just getting started with video marketing or video, then you know this podcast is good for you because you can learn about the best gear, best camera gear, the best audio equipment, strategies to help your business um, grow with video using new technologies. There's a lot in this episode, actually, which um, talks about software that you can utilize. Um, And of course, if you're here for the first time, please, if you could hit subscribe, and then these episodes will keep coming into your feed. And if you'd like to connect on Instagram, I'm at andy.greenhouse or obviously Video Talks podcast. Um, and for all the episode show notes, just go to videotalks.co and then a forward slash with the episode number should get you to the um, relevant episode show notes. This is episode 17. And this interview features a YouTube expert called Edie Clark, who is based in Brooklyn, New York. And she basically delves into um, how you can optimize your YouTube channel, your videos. Uh, tools. She runs through tools to help you do that and other tools to kind of make video creation a bit easier. Um, She talks about experimenting with YouTube um, and getting over, you know, any issues with imposter syndrome that you have maybe getting in front of the camera. Oh, and um, if you hear some magic fairy dust sprinkles, I'm not sure what those are, but I imagine they're kind of chimes or something in her office blowing beautifully in the wind. So listen out for that because, you know, special prizes. Um, Talking of prizes, on the last two episodes, 15 and 16, um, we were running a win the Corona Diary, Vic Lee's Corona Diary, amazing book that he designed and illustrated. At the time of publication of posting this episode, that competition is still running. Um, You can help a business out by nominating them on uh, a LinkedIn post, particular LinkedIn post. So if you want to do that, um, check out my LinkedIn feed. That's just LinkedIn Andy Greenhouse. Um, And you'll see what I'm talking about, hopefully. 
So without further ado, let's get into this week's interview, which is uh, split into two parts, as I mentioned, because uh, they're easily digestible, around 30 minutes each, um, and there's loads of value in there. So let's get into this interview with Edie Clark. Run VT. I'm thrilled to introduce my guest today, Edie Clark. Edie is a video and YouTube strategist based in Brooklyn. She's also founder of Virtually In Sync, which helps companies and entrepreneurs create brand awareness for their business using videos and YouTube, ultimately helping them reach their audience and grow their business. After studying TV and film production at UCLA, Edie went to work for Sony Pictures and eventually founded her own company to provide video strategy, remote video creation and video marketing services for solopreneurs and businesses who want to outsource their video needs. I'm excited to dig into her extensive knowledge about video and how entrepreneurs can ultimately help themselves by getting seen. Edie, I've given our uh, our audience a brief overview of your work. Could you expand a bit more about who you are, what you do, and give us a bit of a glimpse of your personal life? Um, yeah, so a little bit about who I am, what my background is, and um, what I do. I am, like you mentioned, based here in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm married and I have a teenage son that is in his second year of college and very happy and proud about that. My business, I started um, my company back in 2012, and I actually started as a video virtual assistant, which I had never heard of. Didn't know if it was going to be something that I would be able to actually make a living at, but I'd hired a coach because I wanted to work for myself and didn't want to have a nine to five any longer. And out of just relaying to her what my passion was and what my background was, she then said, oh, well, you could be a video virtual assistant. So I started off literally just providing video editing services to my clients. Um, and there weren't a lot of people that wanted to have videos um, back then because a lot of people that I came in contact with were like, I don't like the way I sound. I don't like the way I look. So there was always some sort of reason why they didn't want to be on camera. So a lot of my clients started out as um, speakers because those were people who were comfortable with being in front of an audience and they usually had speaker reels that they needed to have um, edited for them. So that's how I started virtually in sync. And as I grew in the business, as I started to develop my own sort of interest, I realized that one of the things that people needed in order for them to really get some exposure for the videos that they were creating was they needed to be on YouTube. And YouTube was not something that I had grown accustomed to. My background came from working at post-production companies. I did work at Sony Pictures Imageworks, which was the visual effects division of Sony Pictures and I managed the art department there. So I worked with a lot of pre-visualization uh, type of work and um, had to work as a coordinator between myself and the visual effects producers. And, you know, I did not come from a world that was known for using YouTube. That was a foreign thing for me. So I had to educate myself and I realized 
that YouTube was this great phenomenon where you could upload videos and host your videos on this site for free. But if you actually optimized and if you treated your YouTube channel the way that you treat your website and you optimized it so it can actually get found, your content could live on this platform, obviously for as long as YouTube is around, but people today, tomorrow, and years from now could find your content. And so that was a game changer as far as my clients were concerned because they were people that were unfamiliar with video. They weren't really utilizing it the way that they needed to. And this would be the way that they could get exposure. They could build their influence. They could grow their business. And more importantly, they could gain visibility and be able to engage with their audience as well. So I learned everything that I could learn about YouTube, and then I started to offer that as a service to my clients. So in addition to editing their videos, I would then also um, market their videos on YouTube in particular. So that's was pretty much what I was doing, um, and I'm still doing that to, to a certain degree um, now. At the end of last year, however, I then shifted a little bit because the other pain point that I recognized that my clients were having was in the actual act of creating the videos. And a lot of my clients, their genius zone is in other things other than figuring out how to use their phone or their HD webcam to record themselves. And so they just didn't want that hassle any longer. And they really wanted to outsource that to someone, but they didn't want to have the hassle of trying to find someone local where they were, whether it's a college student or whomever, to film them. And I came in contact with a proprietary software that allowed me to remotely help them create their videos by tapping into their computer through their webcam or on their smartphone and enabling them to sort of be able to record themselves while I'm there directing them. So I have the ability to start and stop recordings. I can do autofocus and tell them where they need to position themselves, give them feedback, but I can record all of their videos all at once in one setting. And then they go off and do what they do best. And I do everything else from editing their videos to then um, ultimately managing them on YouTube. So that's now what I'm also offering my clients is remote video creation services in addition to YouTube management services. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's like everything in a nutshell there, I think. Pretty much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you, you talk about remote video creation. I have a, a, a question, obviously, about that because so – you, that I believe that was a new service that you introduced last year, right? Yes, yes. Just in time, I would mm-hmm. imagine for what we're we've all been experiencing. How is that? How has the pandemic, you know, influenced more people looking at remote video creation? And have you seen a kind of spike in clients and stuff? Um, definitely, I've seen a spike in clients, and definitely more people are interested in the concept. Um, 
if anybody had an issue with creating videos to begin with, this isn't really necessarily going to shift that for them. However, if they knew the impact that and understood the impact that video can have overall on their business, and their only issue was, well, darn, if there was only an easier way for me to create these videos, then I'm all in, then this has definitely answered that for them. And I've seen that um, for sure. Coincidentally, this year, I also then started um, right around before the pandemic started, I decided to really focus a little bit more on myself promoting not only what I do, but just myself in general on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn had been a platform that I had ignored um, for a really long time. And I was just really focused on um, helping my clients and really making sure that my clients were as visible as possible on YouTube. And I really was kind of putting my needs to the side. And so with using LinkedIn, this has actually opened up um, a whole new slew of potential clients because my ideal client is on LinkedIn on a regular basis. And they are the people that are going to be more prone to being interested in my remote video creation services, either as a standalone or in addition to utilizing it on YouTube. Because when it comes to video marketing, YouTube isn't the only platform that you need to uh, concern yourself with. Over the years, I've seen the progression of how all the other platforms have expanded and embraced video. When I first started, YouTube was the only platform that was utilizing video. And then slowly but surely, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, all of the other ones then started to embrace it. And they all use it differently. So you really need to determine which platform is really the ideal platform for you. And then you can... Um, decide which one it is that you're going to focus your attention on initially, and then you can expand. It's interesting. You talk about the different platforms, uh, YouTube specifically, I've got, uh, uh, I've got a YouTube channel that I've been, I've had since 2007, which I haven't really done a lot with, as I spoke to you in pre interview, um, you know, we, we used to take a van down to Cannes and show right. independent films and we would record the whole thing. And we, we originally did it. Um, we originally had uh, one year, we did it on daily motion, which you probably wouldn't even have heard of. Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, okay. It was, it was, we got sponsored by daily motion um, for, t I think it was 2008 and they were worried that we had done a deal with YouTube and if only we had had that uh, ability. <laughs> but what's your advice um, to someone like me who's, I mean, I'm in the video space, right? But I've um, I've suffered from the kind of imposter syndrome. I haven't wanted to put myself in front of the camera. Mm. Um, what's your advice to people in that situation? Because I did see a, a great testimonial from a woman called Kathy. Um, mm. And it's really, it's great because she's like, I hated being on camera and she's on camera saying right. I hated being on camera and she's really engaging. Right. Um, so you obviously helped her with that trans transformation. So how do you do that? How do you help people? Well, um, to answer the first part of your question in reference to what you can do, the, the thing with YouTube um, that I think a lot of people either didn't know or um, don't fully understand um, about YouTube is that because it is a search engine, and that's the first thing that you really need to think about, 
the content that you have on there is searchable. So as long as you're creating content that whoever your ideal audience is would be searching for, you're going to get found if you optimize your videos appropriately. So whoever your ideal audience may be, whether it's that you're looking for um, other filmmakers or if you are looking for marketers to market the films that you're doing or whatever it is, as long as you can create the kind of content that that person would be looking for, that's what you need to do. Um, I think as creators, we have a tendency to neglect ourselves. I certainly suffer and still suffer from imposter syndrome of thinking, well, I don't know enough that I could say that I'm a YouTube expert, even though I've been using it for probably about seven or eight years now. Um, And I understand what makes it tick. I understand exactly what I need to do and what my clients need to do in order to get their videos found and seen. Um, And so that's what I do. I work with my clients. I figure out what's their niche. And then I do the research and I do the due diligence for them. And I figure out not only what kinds of content that their competitors are doing and so that they can see what's working from what's not working, but then I grill them about, well, what are the frequently asked questions that you're getting? What is what is it that your audience wants to see? And then we craft that into videos so that their um, ideal audience can find them. With regards to my client, um, Kathy, she was someone who was a wealth of knowledge, but she hated the way she looked on camera. And she wasn't willing at the time to really do what she needed to do in order to get in front of a camera. And truth be told, I didn't do anything outside of just nudge her constantly. What really changed for her was the environment, the fact that everybody became video dependent. She couldn't avoid it. And so she had no choice but to continue. And what she realized was she was comfortable doing, she was comfortable enough doing video on Facebook, but Facebook wasn't really enough for her. She needed to be somewhere where people who didn't know who the heck she was could find her based on the content that she was creating. And the only platform that exists to this day is YouTube, where you can put content on there for people that want to search and find that content. So that's what I really stressed to her. And she finally embraced it and she embraced it wholeheartedly. She went in head first. And so I'm very proud that she's been able to do that. And she's been able to get some success from that as well. And is she in the coaching business? Yes, she is. is. She is a virtual assistant coach. Right. So it kind of fits, fits, fits her brand and her her business really well. Exactly. Yeah, it's an interesting point that you say um, she was on Facebook, like uh, using Facebook video, but mm-hmm. it's a very different beast, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's not a searchable nope. thing. It's very, um, what would you, how would you say? It's very kind of momentary. Mm-hmm. Momentary, is that, yeah. is that it's, it's a temporary platform in the sense that your content lasts for what? About 24 hours if you're lucky. And so if people don't see it because they didn't happen to be on Facebook on that day, then you're out of luck. Unless you have a devoted group of people in a group, then your 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 content will probably be seen a little bit more. But if somebody comes a year later 
they're not going to find that because you can't, I, I'm sure that at some point Facebook will become searchable, but right now they're not. And the only platform that exists for that is YouTube. And that's why I stress it um, so much to everybody because it does not matter what niche you're in. It truly does not matter what you do. Everybody searches on YouTube. And even if you don't search on YouTube, you're searching on Google, sure enough, to get an answer to whatever your problem is. And the easiest way for us to consume that kind of information is visually. And so if a video, if you have a video that's going to teach you how to do something versus reading the text, what are you going to do? About 65% of us are going to go for that video. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think the word I was looking for was transient, you know, mm, it's kind of yes. like yeah, passes exactly. you by, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Facebook, yeah. whereas evergreen content is is all over YouTube and right. hence why you get such crazy, um, crazy views, yeah. view numbers on there. Right. So optimizing YouTube is key. Yes. Uh, to keep that traffic coming. Have you got any kind of tips for people to um to help them optimize their titles i guess things like researching mm -hmm. what people are looking for etc yes. um i think for the most part we if if you are an expert in your niche if you've been doing it for a minute um you know what the frequently asked questions are you know what the the pain points are for your audience what you may not know is how do they search for it? What are the words that they use and the combination of words that they use in order to search for it? So before you do a video, you need to first figure out what it is that your audience is suffering from. And so once you've figured what that out, what that is, and you can do it a number of different ways. If you don't know right off the top of your head, if you don't know, then you go and find those answers by searching um, on either Google or you can go onto a Facebook group of, you know, people that are experiencing the kinds of problems that you are qualified to solve and see what they're asking. Because people are always on Facebook groups or even maybe on Instagram and, and other platforms always talking about what's the problem that they're having and that they need a solution for. So those are places that you can find the content that you want to create. And then there are a lot of platforms that are out there. One that I'm using right now is called Morning Fame that will allow you to type in, say, for example, um, how to use YouTube, you know, and, and if that's a, a video that I wanted to create and I could type that in to this platform and it would spit out results that would give me some kind of an idea of whether this is a good keyword or a string of keywords to use, or if it's not, and then I can tweak it according to that. And once I know what the title is, then I can go off and then create the video. Once I've gotten the video, I can then get all of the other keyword tags that are associated with that, because that's the key to optimizing is not just having an optimized title, but it's also having the variations of that title as your tags. And YouTube gives you up to 500 characters. So some people use all 500, like myself, and some people don't. They just use, you know, maybe, I don't know, half of that. And whatever is sufficient that they need to use. And then you 
put your video up there. And it's not just the keywords. Unfortunately, it's also custom thumbnails. You need to make sure that the image that you're going to use that represents the content is actually clickable. It's going to be something that's going to cause someone to say, I'm going to click on that video versus the other five or 10 that I see next to it because either the colors grabbed you, the image grabbed you, the text that was on there grabbed you, something has to grab you. And a lot of when it comes to things like that, when it comes to YouTube is about experimenting and testing. Do one thumbnail and then see how that plays against another one. Um, I just did a video, I think last week, and I had a completely different thumbnail up. I didn't like the numbers, so I went and I switched the thumbnail out. And now I'm seeing um, a little bit better in terms of um, click-through rate. So you just need to test and experiment and see what works from what doesn't. And then that's how you kind of tend to perfect it. But doing that does take some time. And that's where I know a lot of my clients just don't have the time. And that's why they need to work with someone like myself. Well, that's great. That's great tip. So there's also, um, there's also answer the public. Yes. Uh, do you know that site yes. and Cora, obviously? Yeah. Um, I did hear, I have heard recently that the algorithms are slightly changed that, um, yes. Okay. Um, it's always been, um, there, there are a number of different ways that uh, YouTube will, um, I guess, reward you is probably maybe the best way to describe it um, if you optimize your videos correctly. Recommended certainly has been um, something if you can get into that, um, then you're like you've hit the jackpot. Um but certainly suggested videos is um, one of the key areas that people are looking at and suggested videos are just the videos that pop up after you've already clicked on a video. And so there are just additional videos that are going to be on the right side of the screen. Um, so you want to definitely appear in uh, suggested um, videos, but recommended is sort of now the creme de la creme. If you can get into the recommended um videos, then, then you're, you're really, you know, doing what you need to do. And essentially that's that you've optimized it and you've gotten enough velocity on, on your videos. People are clamoring to see your videos within the first, say, 24 to 72 hours that your video is released. And so if they see a lot of activity, then they're going to reward you even more. They always are looking for ways to reward you. Their goal is for you to keep as many people on YouTube as possible. Great advice. Yeah. So, yeah. So going back to um, your kind of career, what's uh, what are some kind of hurdles that you've had to uh, get over to kind of where you are and, and, you know, start your company. Have um, you tasted failure along the way? And has it been, has it been, you know, a case of failing forward and learning from those mistakes? Um, uh, yeah, I'm always making mistakes. Um, and, and I am, I tend to be my worst, my own worst enemy because, um, you know, like I mentioned before, I've suffered from imposter syndrome and in the very, very beginning, 
I constantly compared myself to everybody else that I saw that was doing what I was doing. And I, and they had been in the business way longer than me, but I was still comparing myself to them and saying, well, I don't know as much as them. So therefore I'm not an expert. I can't do this. And that actually, I think hurt my, my business and my career because it slowed me down. Um, it, it prevented me from really believing in myself wholeheartedly enough to just bust through whatever obstacles I may have um, seen in my, uh, as, as I was moving forward. But I would, I would say definitely that, that my biggest hurdle and failure has just been not trusting myself and not um, believing in myself enough to feel to my core that I was righteously here for a reason. I know what I'm doing. I'm very good at what I do. My clients enjoy my uh, work. I love working with my clients because it is an opportunity for me to allow them to partake in being visible online using videos without it being stressful for them. My key is always, I want to make it easier for them. And so, um, and I do that and my clients trust that and they trust me and they enjoy my service. Why I couldn't believe in myself enough, who the heck knows, but that was an issue that I certainly had. And I've learned from that and I'm now taking more risks and I'm doing things that I need to do to move my business forward. Oh, that's great. Sounds uh, sounds like the future is exciting for you. Yes, for sure. Uh, what would you say your um, What would you say the luckiest break has been for you? You know, where what's been where when have you been at the right place in the right time? Well, I think definitely um, now is is where I'm experiencing that only because of this proprietary software that I'm working with now that allows me to remotely create videos for my clients, because that definitely was a pain point and an issue that I was seeing with a lot of my clients, primarily because of A, them not wanting to really have to do it. B, they weren't being accountable. In order for you to really have success on YouTube, you have to be consistent. And in order for you to be consistent, you have to say, okay, I'm going to do one new video a week or two new videos a week, whatever it is. And you have to stick to that. You can't do four videos one month and then skip a month and think that YouTube's going to remember you and reward you when you come back on that third month. So one of the issues that I would have with my clients is they would start off all like, yeah, I got this. Let me, you know, I'm going to do it. And then, you know, six weeks in, I'm like, okay, where's your videos? And they weren't producing them. So this ability to do remote video creation allows me to get a hold of them for anywhere from an hour, hour and a half to two hours. And we can knock out as many as 10 videos in that time frame. And then they don't have to worry about, oh, well, I got to create another video. You know, they've got them all recorded. I get access to them by downloading them. 
onto my computer, and then I edit them, I optimize them, and I upload and schedule them to their YouTube channel. And all they need to do is, if they have a team, deal with their team in terms of promoting it. Because again, the, the a misnomer about YouTube is, oh, I just have to upload them onto YouTube and I can walk away. It's not that simple. Yes, you need to optimize them. You need to put them up on YouTube. But then there are other things that you need to do in order to promote it. You need to send it to your email list. You need to promote them on social media, whether it's that you're doing the full video or you're doing a snippet of the video. Whatever you need to do to promote it, embed it onto your website. All of those things help in promoting your content. So you can't look at... Um, YouTube as a one-step process. I just need to upload them to YouTube and that's all that I need to do. There's more things involved in that. And that's why working with someone like myself makes sense for larger um, entrepreneurs who, you know, like six-figure entrepreneurs who have teams and they outsource these things because they can really focus on the things that they're really good at and then just let, you know, somebody else deal with the other stuff. So do you do you help them with their content? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming they, if they're experts in what they do, then you know they've got a certain amount of um, a certain amount of a, a kind of, I guess, a script. Um, the way that it works is yes, for the most part, all of my clients are experts in their area um, that they're in, and they provide me more often than not with this is what my audience is having an issue with, or these are the types of topics that I want to create content on. I'll then go off and just optimize it because it just needs to, the topic may be correct, but just the way the words are strung together need to be optimized. So I'll go off and do that. And then they'll uh, go off and um, create script or an outline. Everybody works differently. It is best if you have some sort of at least of an outline as opposed to just winging it because you could just go babbling on forever. I have the capability of uploading the script onto a teleprompter so their phone becomes a recorder as well as a video teleprompter. Um, and I'm not against anyone using a script because if it's going to keep you on pace, um, I'm all for it. I just recommend that you write the way that you speak be so that it could just sound natural. Um, otherwise, if you want to use just bullet points, you can, um, by all means, just do that as well. They know their business. They know their industry. They know their audience. So they provide me with um, the topics and I just tweak it so that it's optimized to its fullest. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the yeah, scripted stuff does sound scripted a lot of the time so it's a good point about you know write how you speak is a yeah. really really interesting point um do you think there's a there's a formula for a successful business that is kind of that is a framework i guess right. that that can lead you in the right direction well i think for anybody regardless of whether they're they're just starting out or um they're seasoned you have to do video. I don't think that there's any way that you can go around it. Now you can do different types of videos. If you're uncomfortable being in front of the camera, you can do 
screen recorded videos where you're showing, um, you know, that's uh, one of the, my favorite ways to create videos. Cause I tend to do tutorials, um, where you don't need to necessarily be on camera, but you do need to utilize videos. And then you need to figure out what platform is where your ideal audience is. So some people may be an Instagram, um, you know, especially like photographers, obviously Instagram would be um, anything visual. Products tend to be um, more on uh, Instagram as well. So you figure out what your platform is and then you focus on that platform. And in addition to that, you do do longer form uh, content on YouTube. But in order for you to really have success, you have to have a game plan with how you're going to create your content, how often you're going to create it, and then where you're going to put that content and be consistent with it. So you have to, if you're doing a marketing plan for your business, you have to incorporate video in there. And where are you going to be placing that video and how are you going to be doing it? And just get yourself super organized and do things well in advance. I mean, there are people that will create, you know, marketing plans a year in advance and have it broken up in quarters, knowing what it is that they're going to market. Do all of that, too, for how is video going to support all of the things that you want to achieve each quarter and implement that into that marketing plan. And I wouldn't focus on putting my content on every single platform that's out there, but I would start with one and just figure out what you need to do in order to get visible and get seen on that platform. And once you've mastered it, then I would branch out and go um, to other platforms. Brilliant. Yeah, I think uh, that's that that can be the problem, can't it? It's, it's, mm-hmm. There's so much out there. There's so many distracting platforms out there, like we talked about already, Facebook, um, Instagram, et cetera. Right. Uh, and clearly, as you say, YouTube is your best bet for longevity yes. um, to build, to play the long game, I guess. And mm-hmm. maybe your video is talking about the right thing at the right time and, you know, and everyone kind of flocks to it. Well, thanks to Edie there for being my guest on episode 17. This is part one. Don't forget, uh, episode 18 is part two of this interview where she um, goes deeper into uh, video and YouTube. Um, Loads of productivity tips and tools that she uses, software that she uses, etc. So be sure to check that out. Um, If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe and we can get the episode 18 into your feed, obviously, um, if it's not already there. Um, and you'll get all the new episodes and anything else that we do. Well, my thanks to well, my thanks goes to Edie Clark. She's a brilliant guest. Uh, I love her. What she's well, my thanks goes to Edie Clark. She's been brilliant. Uh, this is part one. So hop along to part two, which is episode 18. Um, if you want to hear more from Edie, she's got a lot to give. In the meantime, if you haven't done so, uh, please hit subscribe and that episode 18 will be automatically in your feed. 
as will any others coming up. We've got some great ones that we've already uh, recorded, so check those out if you haven't listened to those already um, from all sorts of people in video and film. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, you can find those on videotalks.co forward slash 17, um, where all the information and any links, product links, etc., will be there. So be sure to check those out. You'll also find um, links for my other podcast, which is soon to officially launch. There's four episodes out there at the moment, but they're not kind of official um, that's called square one it's about starting from scratch so if you want to listen to that then please do all it leaves me to say is thanks for listening to this part one um, and i'll see you on part two cheers cheers